0: Today on CityCast Chicago, often the story of the Illinois Black Panther Party gets reduced to the assassination of Chairman Fred Hampton in 1969 on the near west side. But Illinois' Black Panther Party was active all over Chicago, from Lawndale to Lincoln Park to Algale Gardens. Some of those key locations could soon become Illinois landmarks. We talk with journalist and preservationist Layla Wills, who's leading the effort. It's Wednesday, October 12th. I'm Jacoby Cochran, and this is CityCast Chicago. Layla, this uh, journey for you goes beyond an appreciation for history or architecture. This process is personal for you. Can you tell me, what were your parents' role in the party?
1: both of my parents were in the party in the Altgale Gardens area. We had a breakfast program out there and they would be what you would call regular cadre members. They weren't high-ranking members. They were part of the um gas that keeps the engine going. So I refer to the rest of the party members as my aunts and uncles, you know. So they are they have been my influences, my inspiration and they were so young at the time that thankfully a lot of them are still with us. So it is urgent for us to get as much as, of the history documented as we can while we still have them here. Our house in Algale Gardens was what you would have called a panther crib or a panther pad. So, yeah. um, you know, the, the panthers lived uh, communally. So, And they were young, so, is, so they... And so our house out there, my grandfather owned it or rented it. It wasn't like it was one of theirs. <laughs> <laughs> so the other party members lived there too. And then so my family, my uncles and cousins and even neighbors out there, if they hadn't joined the party officially, they were still around the party. So it was a huge influence when I was younger. But, you know, the party ended in Illinois around 75, 76. So it wasn't the presence of an official party wasn't present for my entire childhood. Yeah.
0: I mean, with that, you know, somewhat small of a window, you know, and and even withstanding the legacy of Fred Hampton, is Chicago and Illinois often included in the history of the Black Panther Party?
1: You will usually find the assassination of our chairman included. And that was one reason I was um, I was excited about the film Judas and the Black Messiah, because. Uh, most of the Hollywood productions have only focused on Oakland. And I knew that when they focused on chairman, that that was going to bring a lot of attention to the Illinois chapter. I do wish we had a lot of things in place at that time, but it's still the curiosity and and these party members, like chairman was chairman over these people. <laughs> like they were uh, making it happen in Illinois, you know, protecting children setting up these programs and some of the forgotten about nooks and crannies of Chicago. And you really get into the intricacies of Chicago neighborhoods.
0: I mean, in the number of places that you all have researched and tried to archive, you've got, you know, former daycare spots, former healthcare facilities, former meeting places and Panther pads, places where the, the breakfast programs would have been hailed. Why is this so important for some of these locations to get landmark status?
1: A lot of the um, landmarks in our, let's say, black neighborhoods would be for architecture. Let's take CVS High School or some kind of church. Beautiful architecture. But those buildings were not made for us. Those, we inherited those when uh, gentrification, or excuse me, when the Great Migration happened and white flight happened. So ours, they could be so... Unattractive or plain, and maybe not even in good condition, that they will, the city will demolish them. But demolishing these properties. Are, is demolishing our heritage, our memories. Our children can't go into a neighborhood and know the Black Panther Party was there. Our headquarters on 2350 West Madison is a Walgreens. The Southside office, 4233 Indiana, is an empty lot. Like there's a tree growing there right now. So it, it's, it's urgent that we create this multiple property submission so that we can restore our heritage in this city. Yeah.
0: Let's talk about some of the locations and their significance. You know, can you tell me the story of the Better Boys Foundation in Lawndale?
1: Yeah. So 1512 South Pulaski, okay, North Lawndale, uh, it was the Archie Moore Boxing Gym, uh, okay? And the neighborhood at one point was all white, Uh, Then, you know, the Great Migration was happening, the neighborhood changed, and South Lawndale maintained their demographic, but North Lawndale turned just about completely Black. But the owner of the Archie Moore Boxing Studio was Joseph Kelman, and Mr. Kelman offered boxing to the neighborhood youth, to these Black kids. It was also a neutral gang territory or or space, a neutral space for the vice lords, the Egyptian cobras, and I think there were a few others. All the boys could go in there and receive boxing training and other activities they may have had. But as time went on and those boys started to get older, Kelman, Mr. Kelman, wanted to offer more than just boxing. So he decided to turn it into the Better Boys Foundation. So the minister of education for the Black Panther Party in Illinois was a member of the Better Boys Foundation in 1968 and before. Okay, because remember how young we're talking about them. They're really young. They're high school students.
0: (laughs) I think people forget with like the the maybe not the lore, but just like the the separation and distance between the history. We forget how young many, I mean, black icons were when they were fighting for civil rights movements throughout the 50s, 60s and 70s. But the Black Panther Party was especially built uh, of young men and women.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. They thought the Better Boys Foundation would be a great place for the first breakfast program in Illinois because there was a lot of gang activity, but it was a safe place for the kids to go. And they already had a relationship with them.
0: How did, how did these these programs that the party instituted, how did they work You know, inside these communities?
1: So, Huey Newton, the head of the Black Panther Party, set out instructions on exactly how to institute a breakfast program. From cleanliness to traffic management to, um, The times, the hours, what foods, how to get donations, and all those kinds of of things. So it was a well-oiled machine. It Mm. operated, these breakfast programs were from 7 a.m. to 9 a.m. Monday through Friday. The children of Chicago at that time, these are children of migrants from the Great Migration, or by that time they could have been grandchildren of migrants. Extreme Poverty was in Chicago. Children were going to school with stomach cramps. They couldn't learn. They were listless in their eyes. They had parasites. They had all the all the ailments that come along with poverty. So the idea behind the, the breakfast program, one was for the party to start the program and for the people to take it over. And so they would get recruits through the parents of the children, uh, community workers, and just regular Volunteers. What was happening at that time was a dependency on food stamps. And at that time, you actually had to buy food stamps. So if you couldn't get the cash to buy food stamps, you didn't have food stamps and you relied on commodities. And commodities were mostly flour, lard, very, you know, rice, just starchy diets. Where the study that came back said the children were not receiving protein, milk. Fruits or vegetables. And so each breakfast, Monday through Friday, we have a sample menu of them too, included all of those things, milk, Mm -hmm. fruit or juice, protein for every breakfast.
0: another spot right because when we talk about the Illinois Black Panther party i was always familiar with sites over in like lawndale on the near west side um i knew that some of them lived on the south side but holy covenant is an interesting one cuz this is actually up in up in lincoln park was was there a, a black panther party presence on, on the north side besides just this location can you tell me about it
1: yeah so when when that church holy covenant became a relevant part of the panther history the young the uh rainbow coalition was in effect the rainbow Uh coalition which consisted primarily of the black panther party then you had the young lords okay puerto ricans uh in lincoln park they set up uh breakfast programs so when you go to lincoln park today people would think it was always like that but it was not like why was there a need for a breakfast program Even poor white people had breakfast programs under the young patriots, rising up angry. Uh, There were a lot of groups that joined onto this coalition. There were even groups of Chicanos all the way far south. So even if they weren't in that nucleus group, the young people across these racial lines in Chicago were building coalitions. So chairman who started the Rainbow Coalition was at this church, Holy Covenant, with Cha-Cha, from the young lords, Mike Klonsky, from the students from a democratic society, that church gave them refuge over a period of days while the whole city was on lockdown. That church was very um, active in a lot of the protests and everything that was going on at that time and, and was a real shelter for people in the in time of a real storm In
0: the city. Mm -hmm. And that was taking place during the the riots of the 1968 Democratic National Mm -hmm. Convention. And then a location that you all are working extremely hard to uh, improve its, its historical significance and recognition is the People's Church, a.k.a. Church of the Epiphany, which is now the Epiphany Center for the Arts over on the near west side. You know, why was this location such a remarkable space in the history of of the Panthers?
1: First, I am so glad that the Epiphany Center of the Arts were the ones to take possession of that property. What what else could it be but something as beautiful as that and it has maintained its beauty all all these years. And the People's Church was another safe place and another uh, other organizations were having meetings there. There were there were meetings against the Vietnam War taking place. They had sheltered homeless people during that time and somehow which I haven't got the f- All the way to the root story on how that became the party's major meeting place, but I'm working on it, (laughs) (laughs) became a major meeting place of the Black Panther Party. You could see uh, one of Chairman's last speeches in in the film, The Murder of Fred Hampton, American Revolution. Uh, There's pictures of them in there there was a breakfast program there and that was a, a there after chairman was assassinated there was a big huge rally so the people's Church is going to be our primary property for our multiple property submission the people's Church is gorgeous beautiful architecture so it is already a landmark so what we're doing is just adding the panther Party's narrative to theirs to the story of the people's church
0: so what's next in the the process of getting these landmarked what 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 are you hoping for in as the next step?
1: So the first thing is to nail the narrative of the Black Panther Party. We have to talk about what was going on in the country at that time and get it all the way down to why the Panther Party's story is significant for Chicago and the entire state of Illinois. Once we get that uh, nailed, that document, which I'm sure we will, uh, we will present to the state office in February of 2023. Then we will have official part of uh, Illinois tourism will be Black Panther Party sites. It'll be added to the story of our state and city. So many Chicago stories involved because the party was, another reason it was unique is you didn't have to be a member to be a part of of the benefit of it, to take part in the breakfast program, to come to the medical center. So they were involved in all of the Chicago, matter of fact, it was incumbent on them to organize every community area in Chicago and they did set out to do that and did did it strong. Also, they dealt with issues we're still dealing with today.
0: Tomorrow, you can learn more about the Illinois Black Panther Party at the Chicago History Museum at 7 o'clock. Layla and former members will be there. Also, Healthy Hood Chicago is hosting a Panther Party on October 22nd that will include keynote speakers, performances, uh, and and some more events. Layla, thank you so much for joining us at CityCast Chicago. Uh, It's been a fantastic conversation.
1: I enjoyed it so much, Jacoby. Thank you so much.
0: Before I let you go, a little bit of news, y'all. 121 more immigrants have arrived in Chicago from Texas since Monday morning, bringing the total to 2,866 people, according to WTTW's Heather Sharon. The Chicago Blackhawks begin their season tonight in Denver against the Avalanche. The team's first three games are on the road before they're home next week. Open House Chicago is Saturday and Sunday. You can tour some of Chicago's many architectural gyms like the Givens Castle or the Border Trade Building. Sydney's got a great list for you in today's newsletter at Chicago.CityCast.FM. And some good news to get you through. The Citywide Elevate Dance Chicago Festival begins tomorrow through Sunday. For a full list of in-person performances, film screenings, and virtual events, see the link in the show notes. As always, we appreciate you for listening. Go on, share us with your friends and family. And if you shared us with every single person you know, meet a stranger, take them out to lunch, and put them on CityCast Chicago. All right, I'm going to talk to you tomorrow. Peace. Illinois landmarks. Illinois landmarks. All right, here we go.